This is the Cover 2 Podcast with Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Brady on the deep drop, stands in, fires down the middle for Gronkowski, makes the grab at the 45, spinning away from defenders. He's gone to the 20, to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. The Cover 2 Podcast on Patriots.com. The play fake and a throw to the end zone for Antonio Brown. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. Nobody covers the NFL like the guys from Cover 2. Eight different receivers have caught a pass Matt Ryan today is looking to throw again. Wide open, Julio Jones has it, and in the end zone, touchdown Falcons. Now, Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Cover 2 Podcast with Banks and Stevens. I'm Don Banks, joined by my ultimate Pats fan co-host, Nick Stevens, who has that little special gleam in his eye as we do our Super Bowl bye week edition. He's uh, just happy we have a Super Bowl bye week. If you could uh, refer to me by my nickname, uh, The Dola, that would be great. Thanks, Don. <laughs> okay. Because I try to be clutch when it counts in the postseason. The Dola. Nobody remembers that D- the Dola's first year, Pats fans were down on him. And I remember lauding the signing because I said he was going to be the ne- next Wes-, Wes Welker. I only missed by an Edelman. Right, and Ed, that's actually the funny thing is that's actually the year Edelman emerged. First right. game Dola played for the Patriots, opener season opener twenty thirteen, huge game in Buffalo, clutch catches for the Pats to kick a game winning field goal, tore his groin off the bone. How I still hate when was able. I know it's like the third time this week for me, and it was a it was an exciting Sunday, and the Dola basically had to kind of find like a new role for himself, but was largely disappointing. There's actually a couple guys I follow on Twitter who went back and scoured the Twitterverse to find all of the salty Patriot fan yeah, Ante Amendola takes right. upon his signing because people hated seeing Welker going because he was such a beloved local figure. You can't replace Welker with a Dola. And the funny thing is, like you said, Edelman became the new Welka. Yep. But Amendola, over time, has carved out a role and now like a little bit of like a legend for himself. Only Patriot to score in the last two Super Bowls. Right. And the last two games, I mean, the game against Tennessee, 11 catches for a buck 12, and then now the two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And that last catch was just epic, unbelievable. Yeah, and well, the third and 18, too. Let's not right. forget the third and 18, which, which made right. the touchdowns all the better. Our guest today, we got a really good guest, Nick. Um, we have perhaps, I know you like to think of yourself as the super fan of all super fans for the Patriots. I'm up there. We have the Eagles super fan. Governor Ed Rendell, the former governor of Pennsylvania for eight years, the former mayor of Philadelphia for eight years. I believe he was the Democratic National Committee chairman for a time. Um, I'm a political junkie. I see him all the time on MSNBC, CNN. Ed Rendell is going to be our Cover 2 podcast guest, and he is going to talk about his beloved birds I, I teased it on Twitter. I said, we're going to have a guest who is green to the gills. So um, buckle up. Ahoy, Nick Stevens. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. I, the thing is, if I weren't rooting for said particular team, it would be kind of fun to just sit back and watch the Eagles fans go as crazy as they've gone. I, like everyone, could not consume Monday enough of the social media about – the Eagle celebration. Let's I mean, not punch a horse, though. Uh, okay. okay. Like, the Let's ho- not punch horse. What is this? Blazing saddles? I Come know. On. I mean, uh, Mondo, Mondo, no, <laughs> Mondo, no like. We got horse punching. We got pole greasing. We've got people surfing town on SUVs. We've got dune buggies on library stairs. 
And we've got kids dropping F-bombs, wearing eye patches on live TV. And that was pregame. Yeah, and that's the cra- <laughs> and that's before the first Yingling was served. Right, exactly. Uh, they're 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 psyched. I'm starting to wonder now: uh, Have the Eagles peaked, and are the Patriots so yeah. battle tested that their heartbeat hasn't raised yet? Well, I I put this out. I think I was on radio the other day. I said I felt like the Vikings played their Super Bowl against the Saints. I think there's a danger that the Eagles played their Super Bowl against the Vikings, and the Patriots only play their Super Bowl in the second half of Super Bowls. So. Well, yeah, the, we heard Belichick talking the other day to um, ESPN Boston's Mike Reese about the whole idea that the Patriots have a tough time scoring in the first quarter. And when Mike brought this point up, Belichick just, well, I mean, you want to talk about full vintage hoodie mode. He just, yeah, we, uh, yeah we're, we're aware of that. Um, see, what we do is uh, we try and score in every game and uh, try to score more points than the other team. And it was just, I and the whole it. room, yeah, the whole room's cracking up. I mean, he's already... In rare form, he's, yeah, he's in peak sarcastic oh, mode. Peak Belichick. Now, I gotta say, I've heard from you. Got people out in Minnesota. You were there for a long time. I've spoken to some friends in the area to let them know that we'll be coming to town. And what's the vibe? Apparently, Minnesota is still skull is in oh. a little bit of a spiral. It's Wouldn't like you a, be? it's like a giant symbolic commercial this out close there. Close to thinking you were going to have the ultimate two week party, and 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 it went. It got canceled the night before the party was supposed to start. It's good for the tourism board and the chamber of yeah, commerce, right. but hotel rooms. I'm sure they would have passed on the influx of cash, but especially when it comes in the form of people wearing dog masks. But they're going to spend. They're going to they're going to come out with their disposable bucks, but. It's not even that they blew. My buddy was telling me it's not even in the Minnesota area that they blew it or no. that they lost. If it was a better game, they didn't it's show. the fact that they didn't show. They didn't show. That you have the Minneapolis miracle and your follow-up, your encore to that is just getting faced by and, the And Eagles. then you're up 7 nothing and give up 38 unanswered to, to close out the season. Yeah. It was like everything that felt right about this team the week before when they won in that miracle fashion got completely drained by the end of the first quarter out of them and that's that's sad because they had an awful lot of good karma this year but in the final analysis the best team won the best team won they weren't yep they had they had some ex, uh, holes exposed and some flaws exposed and let's be honest Keenum he's better from playing ahead he's not mm-hmm. a quarterback you want no really I think- playing from behind. I think, sadly for Minnesota fans, some of the luster of the Minneapolis miracle has now been eroded or oh, ebbed sure. away. And then uh, the Superman spray paint on Case Keenum's uniform yeah. was all washed off by halftime. And I think that's actually going to hurt not only his potential value should he stay in Minnesota or wherever he goes should Pat Shermer want to try to take him with him to the Giants or wherever else. Because- yeah, it has to. I mean, you can't dismiss a season that he had with one bad game. However, it did expose kind of some of his limitations. He does not have a strong arm. He does not seemingly have that that mojo to to climb, get a team on his back and climb out of much of a deficit. Clearly, they had the the one miracle drive against the Saints, but, you know, this was a team that really should have done better it would defensive line and offensive line, and I thought they the Eagles defensive line overwhelmed that Vikings offensive line, and that's that's a cautionary tale to the Patriots. It really is. And I'll tell you who did impress me last Sunday, who I think does have a strong arm and came up big after being the object of a lot of punchlines for a long time, was Blake Bortles. 
I think, oh, yeah. I, I think Keenum's game of his life. Keenum's stock fell, and I think Bortles' stock surged. On Even Sunday. though I know he, in the second half they they seemingly reverted to not trusting him so much. It's not his fault. That's more Marone and Hackett. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, yeah, I thought he played the game of his life, and had they held on, had they not turned a little cautious and started playing not to lose, which to me started with taking a knee with 55 seconds and two timeouts. I just couldn't have tweeted out more immediately, like, you don't you do not do that. That may be the game right there. You, you just sent the signal to your team that you're just trying to hold on to, what was it, 13-10? 14-10 at 14-10? You don't do that in Foxborough. You, I felt like the the Patriots probably said right there, we got them. We got them. Yep. Just where we want them. Yeah. Belichick was like finishing, just like polishing the sign on the door, setting up shop inside Jacksonville's way, head. Way too timid. Um, and then again, up 10 points, 13 minutes to go. And this is debatable, but fourth and one on their own 42, they punted. A lot of people was, you know, go they were really it. good on fourth down this year. A lot of people said, go for, go for points. You're not going to win by just protecting this lead. And uh, Patriots took the ball, scored a touchdown, and the comeback was on. Yeah, and Jacksonville was having a lot of success isolating Dion Grant, who became their secret weapon, who they employed against the Patriots in the preseason, against the Patriots' slower linebackers like Harrison and Landon Roberts. They were getting open in the middle of the field. Sometimes when the Patriots were playing their zone, they were finding their little soft spots. Yeah, I, I thought they had a great game plan, but some people said it's almost like Jacksonville got to the half and said, uh, oh, all right, we uh, we're out of plays. We need guys. You know, we're going to go back to the locker room, refresh our playbook, and we're going to get the second half playbook out. They open with a field goal, but right. you know, pointing to things like the questionable pi against AJ Bouye on Brandon Cooks, pointing to the referee whistling the play down when Miles Jack makes that amazing play. Yeah, that stinks. It does. That absolutely bites the same way it did for Kansas City when they were whistled down on the two-point conversion. But that's out of your control. What's in your control is being able to go for it and stay not aggressive. turtling. Yeah, stay aggressive. And I really thought the way they played the first half up until that final minute, I really thought they were going to stay aggressive because I thought they had the right mindset. Like, we're not going to come in here and just luck into a win. we got to take it. And they did, you know, largely when it was 14 to three, they had made all the key plays. And I thought, wow, they have that right mentality. They don't know they're not supposed to win here. They don't know that, you know, they're supposed to be intimidated by, by the Gillette atmosphere. And that crowd got quiet again, as it does when the Patriots are, are trailing. The right. crowd was out of that game. I was, I was in the press box. And so anyway, it's looking back, the other, the other, to me, the other story on Sunday was the Knicks full story. I mean, talk about the game of his life. Who saw this coming? The last 15 passes he threw did not hit the ground. A football, he was 11 for 11 in the second half. He was absolutely everything an Eagles fan could have dreamed. And I remember back about a week after he took over for Wentz, I called Jeff Hostetler for a story that I did, a column I did for The Athletic, and said, can it happen again? Hostetler takes over for Sims in 90. They win the Super Bowl. And he said, I see a lot of similarities, and I see a team that can run the ball and play defense around him. They're not dead, even though everyone's saying the sky is falling. Yeah. And now he goes from being virtually benched in the meaningless season finale to playing just well enough in a game they kind of probably should have lost in the divisional round 
to having the game of his life and reminding everybody of 2013 Nick Foles all over again. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You, you, <laughs> we, we have the most recent memory in our head of him looking horrible against the Raiders in Week 16 and then struggling in a quarter and a half of play against Dallas in Week 17. But he has kind of recaptured you know, the accuracy and the timing of that 2013 season when he had 27 touchdowns and, uh, and just two interceptions. He looks like a confident quarterback now, and I think that's, that should be, I don't know, that should be a little concerning to Patriots fans. So what happened to Minnesota in that second, in the, in the game? Because I was a little celebrated out and was kind of consumed in the Patriots postgame. Didn't have my best eye on, you know, and I've seen the Eagles play. You know, I've been on them all season long. I, I just I just can't see they how. They had nothing in reserve when the game started to change and go against them. First the interception, and then they drive right back down there at the, like, the 16 and, yeah. and, and the strip sack. Yeah. They had nothing in the tank. And that's where I, I, you know, I know it's a little bit trite and a little hard to prove, but I really think emotionally they had peaked the week before, and they had they had nothing really to left in their bag of tricks. It was like, uh-oh, we may be in trouble, and... And they had used up all their good juju or karma or mojo the week before. So where are we at now with Doug Peterson? Doug Peterson, I think, you know, was maligned. Yes. I well, think I remember no early, be- early in the season there were storylines in Philly that, that Schwartz was really the real head coach and, and, and was running things in a way that, that Peterson was allowing him to. There was this whole, you know, we really have two head coaches type of storyline. Um, May very well be the case still, although he's put a good face to it in recent week. Peterson, you know, we underestimated, I think, his ability to understand his team and, and, and get the best out of his team because I do think he's done a really good job of when there have been problems. Um, they've done triage. You know, the best thing that happened to the Eagles was that bye week after coming out of that 6 nothing Dallas disaster in Week 17, which was meaningless for them. But not so much on the uh, on the momentum front, and he, they really went to town on Nick Foles' game, and they got it back. Even after a shaky start against Atlanta in the first quarter, they got it back to where they where they need it to be. And uh, you have to give Frank Reich, the, the offensive coordinator, and Doug Peterson a lot of credit. Yeah. Now you start to wonder. Okay, so we got the rematch. Thirteen years. Here's just it's to me it's mind blowing. There, there are a lot of great NFL careers, Don, that took off after the Eagles and Patriots last played, and then set up set up shop, peaked, and then it folded tent and retired. Right. Brady is a better quarterback now than when they last played. It's been 13 years. There are people that I know that were in high school when they last played that are now working professionals. There are people that weren't born that are now almost teenagers. Teddy uh, Bruschi's gone to, through at least three different body sizes. Right. right? Damien Woody alike as well. I mean, yeah, there are people These that make... really are huge. <laughs> Listen to it. Here's, I this caught this thing up. is a whopping 16 inches. <laughs> this, I caught this list on Facebook this week. Thanks, Just Teddy. The way life has changed. Things that, things that didn't exist years ago when the Pats and the Eagles last played each other in the Super Bowl. Things that you probably use and can't get by every day with iPad, Twitter, Uber, Alexa, Airbnb. Bitcoin, the App Store, Google Maps, Hulu, Netflix. Your children. My children, exactly. Um, 
fun, sleep, all those <laughs> things that I used to enjoy. It was so long ago. What is Tom Brady doing playing in this game? I know. It is crazy when you think about that. I mean, uh, Nick Foles was in junior high. Well, I here, mean, he was an early high schooler. Here's the other thing. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about, obviously, Matt Patricia and Josh McDaniels about to take other jobs in this league. But, of course, that week we were, too, because Crennel was headed to Cleveland to become the Browns head coach, and Charlie Weiss was headed to Notre Dame. Okay, think how many coaches Notre Dame has had after Charlie Weiss, you know? Wow. Right. And then think of Cornell. Not only did he spend, what, four years in Cleveland with one mm -hmm. good season, but then interim in Kansas City, gets the head coaching job there, has been a D.C. a couple places, Houston um, and maybe one other place. It's amazing how much ha ground has been covered in those 13 years. The symmetry, though, of what the Patriots are trying to accomplish could be Three out Pretty, of four. Three out of four. Bookends. Yes. Three out of four at the beginning, three or four at the close to the, the end. At the close to the end. All and as well, in your th in those three, take out an NFC uh take out an NFC West winner, then take out an NFC South team, then take out NFC East. And you know what else? Philadelphia And lose your co and lose in that third one, beat Philly, and lose both of your coordinators. More symmetry. For Philadelphia, the in O four, they went through Minnesota and Atlanta in the playoffs. And then lost to New England in the Super Bowl. And this year they went through Minnesota and Atlanta and faced New England in the Super Bowl. Oh, man, this is like John McClain in Die Hard 2. Like, how can the same thing happen to the same guy you, twice? You have chills? I yeah, have chills. I do, too. Here's uh, a stat for you. I think you're going to uh, like this because you're a Patriots fan. Um, I did a little research on teams, franchises with multiple rings going in and playing a Super Bowl team with no rings. Okay? Which okay. is what we have. We have... New England 5, Philadelphia 0 this year. When did it last happen? How about last year? New England versus Atlanta. Who wins? The team with rings. The year before, Denver. Multiple rings against Carolina. No rings. Denver won. The year before, Seattle and New England. Uh, Seattle had, one, had ring. one ring at that point, so that didn't count. Seattle-Denver the year before. Uh, was the aberration. Seattle had no rings. Denver had multiple. Seattle won. But then you go back to Pittsburgh, Arizona fit the the criteria. Pittsburgh, the team with rings won. 05, Pittsburgh, Seattle. Pittsburgh won. And 04, New England, Philly. So I count one, two, three, four, five, six out of the last seven times this scenario presented itself. The team with rings added to their collection and to try to put again and all none of these things will be wearing uniforms when super bowl 52 kicks off on sunday the 4th at 6 30 however the patriots made a little bit of a superstitious call this week in white going for the away whites even though they're the home team right and the away whites have won 12 of the last 13 super bowls yep it's uh i look i wouldn't i wouldn't leave anything to chance mm -mm. And I certainly wouldn't wear the red uh, hoodie from uh, the 07. Uh, I'm sure that has long since been buried and burned. <laughs> Linda Holiday has even said, like, he'll never wear that again. That was not. Uh, it was not a good look, and it was no. It had oh, no, I hated it. It I had no it. karma whatsoever. The second he took the field in Super Bowl 42, I remember screaming in my uncle's basement, why is he wearing a different hoodie? But that's that's how we roll. Uh so they'll be wearing the white, and they'll be seeing a lot of green. Speaking of people who love them some green. We are going to welcome in now our uh, podcast guest for the Cover 2 podcast, Ed Rendell, the former governor of Pennsylvania, former mayor of Philadelphia, and also the world's biggest Eagles fan.
Ed, great talking to you. This is Don Banks, and my co-host is Nick Stevens. How are you this morning, sir? Well, Don, Nick, great to talk to you. <clears throat> I love Boston. I think Boston and Philadelphia have an awful lot in common, and uh, every time I come up to Boston, we have a great time. The Democratic Convention in 2004 was awesome. You know, Ed, we talked in late October when the Eagles were 6-1. and one. I did a column for The Athletic, you might recall. Sure. Um, trying to get a sense at how deep the faith went for this fast-starting Eagles team. And it was obviously in the, in the height of Carson Wentz mania. Um, and you were, you, were pretty, you were pretty certain already that this had the look and feel of a Super Bowl team. But what a roller coaster ride was still to come for you and your fellow Eagles fans. The, the Wentz injury in Week 14, the Nick Foles struggles in Week 16 and 17 of the regular season, followed by two home wins. Can you kind of give me a, a synopsis of what the last say, six weeks has been like in, in Eagles land? Well, I think uh, when we went to Los Angeles to play the Rams, we thought that would be a good test, a good road game against a good team. Uh, and <clears throat> we played great. Wentz was playing awesome until he got injured. <clears throat> and we did pull the game out, and Nick Foles did okay in, in the short stint that he had there. Uh, but I think it's fair to say that when he was injured, you wouldn't have found too many fans that night that would have given us much of a chance to get to the Super Bowl and, and no. win the Super Bowl. The sky was falling, was it not? The sky was falling. We went from, with Wentz uh, leading the team, we believed we had a chance to beat anybody, and all of a sudden that crashed, and we believed we had practically no chance to even do well in the, uh, the uh, early playoff games. Does that make this feel a little bit like a second life? If Does it feel a little bit like gravy? Is there disbelief that this team got off kind of the scrap heap and won those two playoff games? Yeah, that's very much the case. Uh, I think the the fans are now more intense about this team than even they, they were when Carson was playing because this team has been an underdog. Nobody gave it any chance. They've been disrespected by virtually everyone in, in football, every so-called analyst or expert. So I think the city bonded with the team with Foles at quarterback in a way that, I mean, look, we all love Carson because not only is he a great quarterback, but he's a terrific young man. But we bonded with this team because we love being the underdogs. It's part of our psyche. We've got um, the financial capital of the world, New York to our north, and uh, the political capital of the world, Washington, to our south. <clears throat> so we're a little overlooked, uh, and, and we tend to be disrespected. And so now our sports team are being disrespected, and we bonded incredibly with these guys. And it's a unique team. I, I mean, you, you've got uh, so many players who, who aren't stars. I mean, this is probably, without Carson, this is probably the most... The team in the Super Bowl lacking superstars that I can remember in a long time. When we went in 2005, we had Donovan McNabb at quarterback, Brian Westbrook at running back, and Terrell Owens at receiver, arguably as good a quarterback, running back, and receiver as anywhere in the NFL. I think you couldn't say that about any Eagle, with the possible exception of Fletcher Cox right now. So we're the ultimate team, we're the ultimate underdogs, when Lane Johnson uh, 
put on the dog mask. <laughs> it, it got all of us uh, into wearing. I think they sold they sold out that night, Sunday night. You have yours, I know, Ed. Right? Correct. <laughs> I once put a. At, I do this post game show with a sports writer and former Eagle players on Comcast, and I've been doing it for 19 years. When we were really bad one year. I opened the show wearing a bag like the Saints fans <laughs> used to do. So they asked me to wear a dog mask uh, uh, to, uh, after the uh, Vikings game. But we we couldn't come up with one fast enough. <laughs> They're all sold out. I mean, people wore dog masks that they had had for Halloween. There was a great uh, white poodle in the stands. Uh, no, it's in great, great fun, and people are bonded with this team. And there is that feeling that nobody gives us respect. I mean, we crushed the Vikings, crushed the Vikings, the best defense in the NFL. We scored 38 points against it. And as soon as we win the game, we're installed as a five-and-a-half-point underdog <laughs> to the Patriots, to what I believe is the weakest Patriots team in the last decade. Mm. Yeah. Uh, now, Mr. Mayor, Mr. Governor, Mr. Rendell, it's so many titles, uh, uh, I was curious now was that you who was driving the dune buggy up the stairs of the museum <laughs> or was that you that was uh shirtless crowd surfing on the suv sunday night because uh for pop cultural reference sake it looked like the purge in philadelphia there on sunday night and listen i i'll i'll admit i'm a huge pats fan we've had some crazy celebrations we've obviously had too many celebrations, according to most of the rest of America, over the past decade and a half. And you guys know how to party. Uh, is this is this just releasing steam and frustration, or is this just the nature of the underdog expressing all of those emotions? Because I can't see an identity better fitting an area than Philadelphia now getting a chance to let the world know you guys embrace the underdog attitude. Well, no question about it. And it is a little bit of an age to divide in that. The younger people, the millennials, who now populate downtown Philadelphia. Downtown Philadelphia now has 162,000 people living in it, mostly millennials and some empty nesters. We're the second biggest inhabited downtown in the country behind only Manhattan. And the younger people think that this is a great city, a cool city. They'd rather live nowhere else because Philadelphia's had an amazing turnaround in the last 25 years. The older people still have a little bit of that inferiority complex, but everybody loves being the underdog. I mean, I was rooting for the Pats as hard as I could, because I didn't want to get to the Super Bowl and beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. Really? I wanted to get to the Super Bowl and beat the best. Really, Ed? Honest? You wouldn't have taken a a Super Bowl win over a Jacksonville team? Because I think we're going to beat the Patriots, and I wanted to beat the best, and we owe you one for 2005 when Arguably, you cheated us out of the Super Bowl. Oh boy, we won't bring that up. But well, you know, I was going to bring Andy Reid to talk in to talk about that, but funny thing is, he didn't show up on time. (laughs) All right, our guest is Ed Rendell, the former governor of Pennsylvania, mayor of Philadelphia, and longtime Eagles fan extraordinaire. I believe Ed, you told me in October you've had season tickets since '71, or is it the late Franklin Field since the Birds played in Franklin Field? Yeah, and does the Eagles post game show 19 years on Comcast? Governor, you know, we have to touch on this. The last time these two did meet in the Super Bowl, uh, you were the sitting governor, and you made a bet with Governor Mitt Romney uh, of Massachusetts. And we we know the rest of the story. You actually had to wear a Patriots jersey at a Sixers-Celtics game and sing the national anthem. In the Boston Garden. In the Boston Garden. How'd that go, Governor? Well, I would 
sing like a sick frog. And, and uh, But I didn't worry about that. What I worried about was blowing the words. Right. So for the months prior to doing it, I had a little card with the words in the national anthem. And every time I had a break in between meetings or, or, or appearances on my schedule, I took out the card and studied the words. And I'm happy to say that I didn't blow uh, the words. I didn't sing very well. Uh, the uh, Patriot, uh, I guess, Celtic fans were much nicer to me than the 76ers fans would have been to Mitt. Was and, Mitt uh, there? Was Governor Romney there? I'm sure he was standing right next to me. He was beaming. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I, I chose Lawyer Malloy's jersey because uh, I'm a lawyer, so I chose Lawyer There Malloy's. you go. Uh, 36 is always a good call. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mr. Governor, so... Uh, I've been on, I even said here on our podcast months ago that Philadelphia was my pick for the NFC East. I thought people were sleeping on this team well before the season. I like the mix of defensive toughness. I loved Wentz. And another thing that I think that the Eagles did in the offseason is they added the right kind of veterans to be able to sort of plug into the locker room, bring the young kids up, and stabilize a talented team. And in no this particular case, oh, they did a great job. Talent with Alshon Jeffrey, bring uh, uh, teaching a guy like Aguilar how to play the position, but also borrowing a little bit from the Patriots as two well. Patriots, yeah, two you Patriots. got Blunt, who's got two Super Bowl rings, Chris and Long. then Chris and Chris Long as well, who seems rejuvenated now. Even Coach Belichick said yesterday he thinks that Long made a great call joining the Eagles. So, how do you well, think that's affected the attitude of the team? I think you're right. I think this team is a great mix of young players and veterans, and. A lot of the veterans were imported, and you've got to give Harry Roseman, our GM, a great, great uh, tip of the hat. I mean, he went out and got Nick Foles, and clearly Nick Foles is, if there's a better backup quarterback in the NFL, I, I don't know, maybe Garofalo when he was with you guys, but uh, it's hard to figure out if there's anyone better than Nick. Uh, uh, so so uh, how he did get, get a great mix of older players and younger players, and this team has incredible depth. The reason I think the Eagles are going to win is I think we'll win the battle in the trenches. Yeah. I think our offensive line is better than your defensive line. And our defensive line, all eight of them, that we rotate eight players, is not only better than your offensive line, but it'll wear the heck out of your offensive line down having to face eight guys in rotation. Yeah, Fletcher Cox does have his own zip code. He is. Yeah, he's a beast. Governor, my 26-year-old son, my oldest son, now lives in South Philly. He said Sunday night you could actually hear this roar and you could actually hear the Fly Eagles Fly chant uh, emanating from the link several miles away. What was it like in Philly Sunday night where they were greasing up the light poles? To well, the police greased the light poles <laughs> to, to protect the fans from getting up there and killing themselves. And some people would get up there and throw stuff. But there was no property destruction. No one got arrested. No arrests. That is the biggest amazing. upset of the day, correct? Yeah, a tremendous upset. And, and the fans were great. And it was just, it was like one long party. Uh, uh, and it was remarkable. We were in the studio, of course, but we had cameras at the places that we knew the fans would congregate. And there had to be, in the Northeast Philly, which is a residential area, there had to be at least 10,000 people out at an intersection at literally 11.30 at night. You know, was Monday even worse, or was Monday just a continuation of the party? Anybody go to work on Monday? Well, we did it. We have these pick clicks where we ask the fans to respond on email, and the pick click we had was, 
Are you going to work on Monday? Are you going to come <laughs> to work late? Are you going to call in sick? Have you already called in sick? <laughs> and 37% of the respondents said that at 11.30 they'd already called and said they weren't coming in to work. It so should, the traffic that morning was unbelievably smooth. <laughs> it should have been. I've all, I've always long lobbied that, at least regionally, if not nationally, the Monday after the Super Bowl should be a holiday, and especially if it's a big championship win, you should your boss should at least be cool with you calling a half day. Uh, well, I think that the, the schools, the parade is the sixth. I assume it's the, the oh 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 we're gonna go down the parade route again. <laughs> oh, I remember Mr. Uh, Belichick. Uh, I think it's the same day for you guys as well. The parade is the sixth. Ah, uh, well, we're Tuesday. And, uh, I think the schools will be closed. We're, we're on. We're on to Minneapolis. There's no parade. <laughs> so uh, Chris, Chris Collinsworth said, and I agree with him. Uh, if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, this will be the largest attended sports I, parade in the country. I totally I, agree. I don't doubt that at all. Is there any fear, Mr. Governor, that perhaps uh, Don theorizes that? Minnesota basically had their Super Bowl and went went hard after the, they, the 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 Minneapolis miracle was Sunday in essence are you, any fear that maybe you guys peaked or you know uh partied yourselves out and they played themselves out on the field that there may have been it may have been too intense your well, super the Jaguars had won the game if you guys hadn't pulled it out and we were playing the Jaguars in the Super Bowl I would worry about that but as soon as we were installed as five and a half point underdogs I have no worries. This team will be fired up unbelievably. My only worry is that they'll be overhyped. You know, uh, Governor, given the level of Patriots fatigue, and that's obvious uh, a real factor out in the rest of America, um, you know, I'm a Red Sox fan. I went through Yankees fatigue in the 90s, so I understand the Patriots fatigue. Does that make the Eagles truly America's team in this game? <laughs> well, there was an article in the Inquirer, the, our paper of record, and it said America's team with a question mark because of our fans. <laughs> you don't call yourself that lightly with the Dallas connection, I understand. <laughs> That's right, absolutely not. But no, I think the majority of people will be rooting for the Eagles. But more importantly, the Eagle fans, if you remember 2005 in Jacksonville, the Eagle fans owned the town. We didn't see a Patriot fan until Saturday afternoon. Everywhere we went, we had uh, uh, people were chanting the Eagles cheer. They were chanting the T.O. song, which was from that movie. You know, T.O., 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 T.O. <laughs> I mean, Jacksonville was just all green. Uh, and then during the game itself, even though the trouble with the Super Bowl is that they give away too many tickets to corporate don't, Corporate don't have an interest in the team. Yep. Uh, what I think they should do, somebody came up with this idea and told it to me, what I think Goodell should do is guarantee 25,000 seats to each team and have sponsors. So, like, Independence Blue Cross would sponsor the Eagles' tickets. So to make up for the difference, you know, that the NFL would would suffer a loss if they just opened it up to these two teams. Because you don't get a sense that it's a game that people are invested in. Uh right. It is, it is a totally different vibe at a Super Bowl. Yeah, there's no question about it. But this town is ready. I will tell you, we're so ready for a, a, a parade. And we had one a nice one after the Phillies won in 2008, but a football parade. Uh, but that were any type of parade. I remember when Smarty Jones, who trained in, in Philadelphia, when Smarty uh, won the first two rounds of the Triple Crown, people would come up to me and say, Governor, are we going to have a parade when Smarty wins the Belmont? 
And I said, wait, <laughs> you're going to send this horse that's worth millions of dollars down Broad Street to maybe step in a pothole? Yeah. Or we're going to put him on a flatbed truck? And, and what would it look like? A million people out there cheering for a horse. And how would Smarty react? And 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 the, I'm, I'm sad to say there's a few uh, lunatics who punch horses down there in Philadelphia, yeah, absolutely. correct? So, absolutely. So, la last question. How, I think I understand, and I agree with you, I think the offensive and defensive lines are your strengths, but how, what's your blueprint for how the Birds beat the Patriots in this game? Well, just dominate the line of scrimmage. Put as much pressure on Brady as you can, and then he gets the ball off so fast it's hard to pressure him but particularly pressure up the middle because he does a great job at stepping up into the pocket in the middle. And that's where I'll have to place, hopefully, Fletcher Cox and Tim Jarnigan uh, to slow the Patriots' offense down. We're not going to stop the Patriots from scoring, uh, but I think we can score against the Patriots, and I think we'll win the turnover battle. And if all those things happen, I think we'll win, but it'll be a close game. And as somebody said uh, on our post-game show, Seth Joyner, the great former Eagles linebacker, he said, Buffalo, uh, Jaguars' mistake was they played too conservative. Yep. When you get ahead of the Patriots, you have to keep scoring. Step on their That's throat. Right. Yeah, Step exactly. on their throat. It may be, I don't it, think we'll make the same mistake. Now you better watch out because even when it's 28-3. <laughs> so what, it, way, what, what? I am, uh, I am a, a great admirer of Tom Brady. I think he's the best quarterback to ever play the game. Um, and his wife's okay, too. <laughs> <laughs> so your your prediction, sir, is I, I saw a score, but give it to me. 23-21. 23-21 Eagles, and the parade is on Tuesday. Governor Ed Rendell, thank you for you being guys, I'll host you if you want to come down for the parade. Absolutely. We'll be there. We'll cover it for Patriots.com. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that would get tons of clicks. So no no, no, no uh, redo bet with Governor Romney since uh, he's kind of left us in Massachusetts. Well, he he's, a, he's a Utah guy now. He's in Utah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I he's even Utah. heard that Mayor Walsh wasn't going to be doing a bet this year with uh -huh. the mayor of Philadelphia either. Well, Governor. I love Mayor Walsh. He's a good man. Go All right, guys. Governor, thanks so much for the time. Great game. All the best, Governor Ed Rendell, on the Cover 2 podcast. No cheating this year. Uh, <laughs> boy, I got to tell you, few bigger Pats fans in the world, but it's hard to root against or not like a guy like Governor Rendell. Well, I mean, you know what? He's he, true to his colors. And he's, he's Mr. Philadelphia. He's had season tickets since they were at Franklin Field. So I've always had a good time when I've gone to Philadelphia. I love Philadelphia. I lived outside of Philadelphia for three-plus years. I don't understand um, why it doesn't get the respect. I guess it's just because, like he said. It's caught between New York and, and D.C. And then there's and then it's like, but we have as much colonial history as Boston. Yeah. Why does everyone think Boston is the birthplace of America? Hello, we got the, the Declaration and right? the, the Liberty Bella right here. I've look. I've lived in Boston now twice. I've lived in Philly. I love. I really grew uh, to appreciate Philly, and it has the you know it has the attitude, the blue collar, the grittiness. Um, that's all true. But um, I was actually born uh, outside of Philly, Coatesville, which is about forty five minutes west. But didn't live there long. I will say this: uh, underrated, great restaurant city. It's a great place to eat. Yeah, great place to eat, and and a really underrated place. Um, so. Yeah, I agree. I, I I like guys that have been, you know, for decades with one team, thick or thin, and Governor Rendell has definitely definitely been a birds guy. And he's he's not pulling his punches. He's he's predicting his team and he's telling you why. 23-21, which is just a point off from the last one, which of course was That's right. Patriots 24, Eagles 21. That's right. And who was the MVP of that game? 
Deion Branch, right. 11 catches, 143 yards. The only time Brady did not win the Super Bowl MVP, I believe. Mm-hmm. Is that right? And the last two that the Pats won where he did get MVP, arguments could have been made for other players. Right. In 49, you could have just flat out said Malcolm Butler for what you did. And, of course, 51, James White made uh, quite the impression as well. All right. Well, you know, one quirky stat that I saw that I had fun with this week um, in writing was the, the NFC champion – for three years in a row now, the Eagles have continued this trend. They were 7-9 and nine in, in last place last year. Last year, Atlanta wins the NFC. The year before, they're 8-8. Eight and eight. The year before that, Carolina wins the NFC, coming off a 7-8-1 and one season. Now, granted, they won the division with that 7-8-1. and one. It was a fluke. But that's three straight NFC champions that finished 500 or below the year before. So you know what that means, Nick. There's only seven teams. Mm-hmm that can possibly win next year's NFC. I'll give them to you. The 49ers, the Cardinals, the Redskins, the Giants, the Packers, the Bears, or the Bucks. they were all at 500 or below. Your 2018 NFC champion is? Coming February 2019 to Mercedes-Benz Field, Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta, Georgia. Brady and the Patriots versus... Jimmy Garoppolo uh, and the it. San Francisco 49ers, very, Master versus Apprentice. Very popular pick. The Packers got some love as well. Obviously, they went 7-9. and nine with They the, had a lot of work to do on defense. Yeah, they do. They really do. It's but an er, old defense. Everybody said Aaron Rodgers, Ching, I'll take that. But, yeah, Jimmy G was the popular pick. I don't know if I can buy 6-10 and 10 to NFC champion. but Has he lost a professional start yet? Not that I've noticed. No. Not that I've noticed. What is he, 5, he could, 6, and 0? Oh? If Rodgers can score his way to the Super Bowl, Garoppolo can handsome his way in. That's true. That's true. The uh, other quick trendy topic. Trendy pick, trendy pick. Quick topic uh, around the league. We we now have, did you know they renamed one of the divisions uh, in the AFC? It's not been covered. Oh, really? It's now the Belichick division. It used oh, to be the AFC South. Really? It's going to have Mike Vrabel in Tennessee. It's going to have Josh McDaniels, we do believe, in Indianapolis. It already has Bill O'Brien in Houston. Doug Marone's looking Thank around. Thank you, Mike Vrabel. <laughs> Doug Marone's looking around going, what's going what on What do I got to do to escape this what guy's cologne? What is going on here? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean, that elevates that division further to me. It makes it, uh, it's going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of great little storylines when those teams play. I also think... You know, with Matt Patricia bound for Detroit, you suddenly have this new incarnation of the Belichick coaching tree. Mm-hmm. Talking to people, they say it's going to do a lot better than the Cronell, Weiss, Mangini, Josh McDaniels first. 1.0, yeah. 1.0. I think Belichick coaching tree 2.0 is going to do wonderfully because we've seen the success now, or at least the progress that some of the front office guys have made the last couple of years, putting Tennessee back together. Now, uh, Bob Quinn is the one who's in Detroit, who's brought, Correct. right, who's bringing Matt Patricia in. I think you're going to see a, a, a tremendous amount of success. I think you're also going to see some immediate relevance. I think with Patricia, he really is so Belichickian, from obviously a, appearance to to the psyche to being just an all football guy. Belichick has talked about how difficult it's going to be to replace him, and I think McDaniel's got the humble pie that he needed. And I have to say, he's the coach that impresses me the most. Actually, both of them did because Patricia un- f- almost forced Jacksonville to be a little bit more conservative on offense in the second half with some timely blitzes and great pressures. And McDaniels, just when the Patriots need a rally play, 
I mean, it wasn't his fault that Deion Lewis fumbled and Miles Jack made that incredible play. That double pass with the three lineman convoy was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, he I know. really knows when to. I think he's going to do great. You know, the smartest thing I've heard is our friend Joe Banner, the former Eagles mm-hmm. and team president and Browns GM. Um, I do a weekly Q and A with him. He said he thinks they're going to do well, but the mistake they all made the first time around was they tried to be Bill, and they're not Bill. They're different. So I'm interested to see. Because Patricia has a lot of Bill in him mm-hmm. in some ways. If they can create their own personas that, you know, because the conventional wisdom is that Josh went into Denver and tried to be a little Bill and and didn't pull it off because he didn't have the skins on the wall. Right. And the players just basically, he lost them. Um, so to me, that is the biggest, that that makes more sense than anything I've heard is, yes, you better use what you've learned from him in how he prepares in his attention to detail, uh, in how he analyzes uh, coldly every personnel situation. But you can't be Bill. There's only one Bill. And if you really want to emulate him, you can only go so far. You do you, bro. That's yeah. all you got to do is just yeah. you do you. Uh, quick question before we wrap things up, Don. So if we see the AFC South taking a you know division-wide step forward next year, quick call for the AFC division that will have to take a step back next year. Oh. Well, I mean that that probably is the AFC North. I'm guessing. Um, I think it's going to be the AFC West. Well, I thought they already took a step back. See, I mean they were bad this year when everyone yeah. thought they'd be the best division. I can't say see them taking another step back. I mean, true, Kansas City and and the Chargers were a good team by the end of the year, mm-hmm. but Oakland was a huge disappointment. Denver was a huge disappointment. So I I didn't go with them because they already took that step back. I I think they could actually take another half step forward because I expect the Raiders to probably be better and Denver probably to be better. I think every I think there's too much talent in the AFC North and I think Buffalo showed themselves to be competitive. We yeah. know Miami has the potential for excellence or for at least competitive goodness. I just the AFC West. I think just can don't buy into Denver. I think Denver with the defensive salaries. I think they're going to take a, an even bigger step back. I think the Chiefs missed their chance. I think they're going to have a, a growing year with Mahomes and the Raiders. Huge question mark. So, but the Chargers are excellent. So you're saying Vance Joseph may not ha- be having the time of his life again next year, Kevin? And, do we have any Sergio? And there he is taking his unemployment and here he check. Is. Now that that was September and that was fun. Remember that was we should have played that once a week. We, uh, we kind of almost did. Yeah. What's our other greatest say? What would Tony Romo say right now, Kev, about Sergio Dip? We're uh, security blanket. In other words, yeah, I said that. <laughs> greatest hit. Uh, great on Romo for this first season. Um, I A minus. B- I was gonna say B plus. A minus. Yeah, he makes. Oh. <laughs> he makes it interesting. He makes it fun. I just wonder if the enthusiasm level, if he can sustain that, the further and further he gets away from being an active quarterback. Yeah, I think will, he, will it deflate a little? I think. Oh, really? Sorry. Wow. Wrong word. Well, the judges gave that a twelve point five on the cheap shot scale. Wrong word. Now I'll tell you who is looking forward to having the time of his life. There this, you go. This guy. And why is that? Where are we next year we, or next week? Next Nick? week we are headed to. We are officially on to Minneapolis. That's the true. Cover 2 podcast will be live from the Patriots Not Done Studios being built as we speak in the Mall Man, of America. Yeah, that's right. In Bloomington, Minneapolis. Oh, Minnesota. I can't wait. Do you mean the studios is not like, done, or is, is it called the Not Done Studios? 
Here's the crazy thing, Don. Both. What if I told you the Patriots would actually build a mini replica Patriots facility? I heard that this is in the works. Yeah, so Everybody just do your job. And our job next week is going to be both to do a live podcast next Friday, February 2nd, from the studio they're building in the with Mall of America. With live people standing That's right. So if, if you're a listener and you're going to be in the area, please come out and join us. You can follow Don on Twitter and you can follow me. Or you can follow my alter ego, Fitzy, at FitzyGFY. And who, we'll, who I think is making the trip as well. I believe so. And he'll be uh, the unofficial fan on the street and fan correspondent for the Patriots out there. Better you than me. And I'll, all the festivities. I think it sounds like fun. And it's going to be an interesting week. We're going to have uh, – they're going to stream starting yep. Monday morning with the team's takeoff from Gillette at 9 a.m. They're going to stream 24-7. Right. There's going to be – there'll be Facebook live shows. You'll be hearing all the Patriots football weekly radio live. You'll get uh, on-the-street stuff, coverage from Patriots parties, celebrity interviews, former player profiles. Basically, Patriots.com is going to take um, the Patriots fan and the NFL fan to the Super Bowl and kind of let you experience it. They're even having Molly McGrath and Jay Crawford, who were both ESPN talents once upon mm -hmm. a time, basically be the host for this um, What's the network is the called? not done network? The not done network. Right. I I'm just waiting for when I can get my virtual reality glasses and I can just like immerse myself fully in the not done experience. I want like a little. I want like a POV camera on one of the Patriots players and I want to just be able to put that on and experience I, everything. That's I'm, you know it's coming. I'm hoping Fred is listening and can make that happen. Come on, Fred, you can do it. It'd be good video. So uh, anyway, that's where we will be Super Bowl week. I'm mm -hmm. going to be in Monday afternoon. Nick is coming in Sunday, um, the the Sunday before. Uh, and we will take you all the way through the week and have our podcast covered, too, live from the Mall of America on Friday. That's right. And uh, any tips on great places to go, favorite pierogi spots, where to grab a cold uh, beverage, oh, you gotta let have us a, know. you got to have a Liney Kugel. You, ne you never Check know. Oh, the beer's gotten so much better at Minneapolis. Liney's are great. Yeah, no. Liney uh, Honeyweiss was my favorite yeah? when, when I lived there for five years. Yeah. Surly's a great brewery now out in Minneapolis. They make great stuff. It's a great, uh, it's a great area. It's The quality of life is high. I loved living there for five years. From you never know. Maybe Banks and Stevens will do a little tweet up and we'll... Uh, all right. Maybe Care I should not kick careful. my coverage here. All right. Let's... Careful. Okay. Don't don't overcommit. Jesus don't overcommit. Christ. That's the Cover Two podcast for the Super Bowl bye week. We want to thank Governor Ed Rendell. Uh, was a great guest, ultimate Eagles fan, and an all around great guy to talk football with. Knows a little politics too. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah. All right. For another week, that's the Cover Two podcast with Banks and Stevens. When we next talk to you, we will be live in Minneapolis. Home to Super Bowl 52. Sorry, Vikings fans. Not done. Well, this podcast is, but the Patriots. Viking fans are done. Yeah, that's true. Take care. Oh! For downloading the Cover 2 podcast from Patriots.com. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Cuts it under the right arm. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. Diving to the yes! goal line. It's still a touchdown. It's still and a title for the Patriots. It. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Log on to Patriots.com anytime for more news and more podcasts covering your favorite team and all things NFL.